Hello, Junior Wizards. Senior Wizard Aaron here, and I come to you today with a compilation. A compilation of what, Aaron? Well, I'm glad you asked. Our podcast is eight years old, which is absolutely wild. Well, we're almost eight, but we're cool kids, so we say we're eight, even though it's like seven and a half. But anyway, we're eight years old, and over the last four years, we've been talking about demons. And over the last four years, we've had audio extras at the end of our episodes. And some of those audio extras are funny. They're songs by Wind on the Wind. They're Banana Man commercials. They're fake commercials. They're stupid skits. However, there's a lot of them which are audio dramas introducing lore about demons. And because we have some things in the pipeline featuring our big bads, demons and the major arcana, I wanted to make a compilation of all of the audio extras where they are mentioned so that you don't have to go back and listen and you can have all this joy in one easy bite. Now, it is audio extras going back all the way back four years to Lester and the Duke, which is the first one to ever feature demons and the nightmare space. There's the nightmare space episode. There are clips from Celeste Silverna audio drama episodes leading all the way up to today's, which I just released like 12 hours ago, Temperance. So I hope you enjoy. Uh, If you ever have any questions about our lore or our world, jump into our Discord and hit me the fuck up because you know I'm here to talk some lore. But yeah, these are all of the audio extra mentions that feature demons, the nightmare space, and the major arcana. I hope you enjoy. Goodbye. They did it! Freed the city! Good for them. I think they're cute. I think she's powerful. Interesting. Good job, everyone. I led him to her, so I made all the people. Real people gone is so sad. Big deal. I made a train show up. Big deal. I gave them engineering box. That just box. I let them move train. I like the way they use crying pools to talk. Did they make it out? Sure did. Yay! Now we know you can survive crossing over. You can. Yes, two of them doing very well. I think they're cute. You already said that. Shut up. Now he lives here? Yes, proved he could live here. Proved we could live here too. He's gonna be so excited. Don't ruin the surprise. What surprise? He's here. He's so handsome. He's so powerful. To the great demon lord who heard our whispers and answered back, we offer you all that this realm has to offer. Every demon lord needs his castle. Welcome home, Arcana Dim Day. Come back here with those cabbages! <laughs> He's trying to chase us! He's trying to chase us! Hey, stop laughing and start running! We don't want no problem with no mascots! <whistles> ah, there they are, right on time! I'll take it out of here! Hey, where are we going anyway? I can't keep running like this, my legs are killing me! <whistles> Over here! I found it! It's down in the well! Oh, well, you said you found an old hideout. I ain't jumping in a well. Hey, you, stop. Dang it, we're out of options. Trust me and jump. Sounds good to me. See you on the other side. Oh, where'd he go? It don't matter, just jump. Ah! Bye-bye, mascot. Ah! <laughs>
This is it? This is your grand hideout? <laughs> yeah, there's like nothing here. Yeah, how the heck is such a big room at the bottom of a well? Everyone relax. You think I've been here before? I merely heard of an opportunity and seized it. Look around you. This is potential. Just think. We could do anything here. Make anything disappear. Make anyone disappear. Uh, did you just say anyone? Uh, they definitely said anyone. Yeah, they did. But now that you think about it, we could make anything possible down here. I am tired of being a common thief. Here we could become more than we are. We could become feared. I don't want to become feared. I don't want to become someone people fear. I want to become fear. With this room, we could become the greatest thieves in all the world. Thieves, think bigger. <laughs> I'm getting excited. We could take over. Yes, to a new begin- Um, hey, which one of you was whistling? Hey. You know it wasn't none of us. Uh, something's down here with us. Hey, something's over there. Hey, you! No, 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 no don't no, go no, over no, there! No. You think you can mock the greatest thieves of all time? It is. They used bridge. Big deal. They gone now. They're gone so sad. We have bridge. Not bridge to nowhere. It goes somewhere. From dream to nightmare. Soon we'll have third bridge. Can't rush it though. Won't they all be so surprised? Surprised to see us. Surprised to see them. Been so long since they saw them. They came so long ago. None of them remember. They forget since they won. They won that time. Hey, we weren't ready. They made ruin. Didn't work. Left Scar. They remember. This time will be different. Prophecy real this time. We don't need to make ruin. We have dreams and nightmares. They're gonna love it here. I love it here. Shut up. Nobody asked you. Wait till the king sees how strong I got. Wait till the king sees how strong we got. We've been waiting. We've been building. We've been growing. And they have no idea. Their crown is gone. So sad. But our crown is coming. Yay! Oh, I hope the king likes their kingdom. For now, let's wait. Oh, yes! Let's build! Let's grow!
Sadly, Celeste's time in the valley was coming to a close. The hard-packed path ended where the two mountain ranges converged. An enormous wall of stone stood before her, and the only way forward was through it. The glee she had felt during her jaunt through the valley washed away when Celeste saw where the path led. A tunnel. It was so dark. A pitch-black maw that Celeste thought would swallow her up the moment she stepped inside. Yes, she was scared. But no, this did not slow her down. She was not the same Celeste that once cowered at the sight of a cosmic horse. She was the wielder of the planet's power, the holder of the event horizon, the person who stood against Delta, the most feared knight in history, and lived. The dark? Ha! Celeste spent two weeks fending for herself in the wilds of truth, and not once was she afraid when night fell. Ha! Unholstering her wand, Celeste held the event horizon high. As it began to draw in the light of chaos's energy, she imagined what she needed, and with her right hand, used the power of order to shape that chaos. The light condensed like crystals of ice forming in water, taking the shape of a perfect magenta lantern. Armed with the warmth of the planet's light, she set out into the darkness of the tunnel. Oof, it was very quiet. The only sound in that tunnel was the echo of Celeste's short boots. She held the lantern out in front of her. Its magenta glow lit her path. Her hand slid along the wall to the left. The darkness was almost disorienting, and the stability it brought made her feel, well, a little better anyway. It was scary. She can't lie to you, I won't lie to you. While the walls were polished smooth, though, the ceiling was... Strangely a work of art, the glow of the lantern revealed elaborate carvings into the stone above her. Vivid pictures that told a story as Celeste walked. From the minute she entered the tunnel, her eyes were fixed on that magenta-lit story unfolding with every step, her left hand still sliding along that cold, smooth stone. The carvings told a story about a tower, that once upon a time, when night fell, a wizard in a tower would pull all of the shadow and pain in the world unto them so that the people could smile. But this was too great a task, and as time passed, the misery and dread the wizard absorbed overtook them, and the tower became a cursed place. It would remain that way for generations until the queen arrived. The queen used her magic to break the curse on the tower. The moon queen chose to stay within it, and face all of the world's pain by herself. That is, until the Dragon Queen came, and together they turned the sorrows within that tower into light and made the humans. But the Moon Queen still felt the pain of the world. One day, she played a- Whoa, whoa, whoa! Celeste's left hand felt the wall suddenly disappear and she fell over into an opening. Her left hip hit the ground with a metallic clang. When Celeste held up her lantern, she saw she had fallen into a narrow hallway that led to a single door. Celeste got to her feet and slowly walked toward the end of the hall, her boots ringing out on the steel catwalk below. The reflective surface of the door made it look special, but it wasn't. It was just a door. But why was there a door in this tunnel? Where did it lead? Now, Celeste was a curious person, but let me tell you, not that curious. And after a good minute of studying the door, she turned to go. Walking back toward the tunnel, she was a bit shaken up, but ready to get this over with. Lantern out in front, she approached the end of the catwalk, where three stairs led back to the tunnel. 
She liked the way the light peeled away the darkness, uncovering more and more with every step she took. Reaching the small stairs, Celeste placed one foot down before she saw them. Two people, leaning against the wall opposite of her. She would have screamed if fear hadn't choked it in her throat. Staggering backward, Celeste's lantern lit their faces with a trembling glow. She felt her heart beating in her chest. Damn it, they caught me off guard. The two figures were strangely dressed, but vastly different from one another, as if in elaborate costumes from different regions or eras. The one on the right was dressed in layers of heavy black robes adorned with toxic green jewels. The other was covered head to toe in ornate armor, badly damaged from countless battles. The figure removed their helmet and let out a bellowing laugh. <laughs> Hermit. Hermit, look what she made. Pointing at Celeste's lantern. What are the odds, Hermit? <laughs> the armor-clad figure continued to laugh, clutching their sides. The one called Hermit kept her eyes on Celeste. She was a barn owl person. Her head cocked slightly to the side as she spoke. Heading through the mountain, are we, little spark? Celeste said nothing. Instead, she focused on her breathing. The two had caught her by surprise and no doubt expected her to panic. After all, they had the advantage in terms of number and positioning, and the only way back into the tunnel was through them. But for now, she had to breathe. Speak! The one called Hermit commanded. Celeste slowly moved her hand to her hip, her eyes locked with Hermit's. Go on, little spark. Draw upon your fading light and speak. The tip of Celeste's finger had barely twitched toward her wand when the robed figure moved. Her hands were like lightning. Celeste hadn't even blinked before the one called Hermit stood on the small stairs, hood down, holding a lantern of her own. It was three times the size of Celeste's, and inside burned the same green fire that Celeste saw in ruin. Its sickening glow illuminated the hallway. Fine, if you and your light will stay silent. How about a word from a greater arcana? Kachunk! Hermit's lantern fell to the floor. From the sleeve of her robe, a smoldering metal chain slithered like a snake and wrapped itself around the lantern. Eyes wide, Hermit smirked as she began spinning the chain. Faster and faster, her lantern had become an enormous flail, cutting through the air with blinding speed. She began to walk forward. Celeste knew she had to make a move or she would be crushed. Hermit was savoring this, and that made her slow. Celeste's eyes studied the spinning lantern. Hermit spun the chain at a steady pace. She would have to time this perfectly. Celeste stood still hand on her wand, watching the green light as it spun. She could feel its wind striking at her face. Not yet. A little closer. Hermit, overwhelmed with bloodlust, and Celeste, springing her trap, screamed in unison, Now! Celeste's magenta lantern vanished, and with a beam of light fired upward. Hermit's arm was flung back, her green lantern high above them now, the chain pinned to the ceiling by a magenta trident. Now it was Hermit who was caught off guard, and Celeste continued with her assault. The hall was narrow. Whatever she created would have to fit. 
Celeste's right arm extended, and as she gripped a beam of light, it took the shape of a bow. In one fluid motion, she holstered her wand and conjured an arrow. As she drew the bowstring back, Hermit fell backward onto the metal catwalk in fear. She knew this was the end. Celeste released the arrow, and a crackling beam of energy erupted from the bow. The brilliant light reflected in Hermit's eyes, and she shut them, accepting her fate. Two hands appeared over the hooded hermit and reached out to block the beam of light. It was the armor-clad figure, their massive hands conjuring a huge, sickly green rose that filled the narrow hall. As Celeste's arrow bore into the rose, each petal was peeled away one by one until the flower was bare and the arrow disappeared with a twinkle. No way. They blocked it? You've grown careless, Hermit, the armored one said, their hands giving off magenta smoke. The remains of their rose turned to ash and blew away. Hermit was furious. Chariot? Hmm? The armored one responded. Thank you. Don't mention it. The one called Chariot placed an open palm on the top of Hermit's head and knelt down. Now, don't get angry, Hermit. You relax. I'll take this one. With their massive gauntlet hand, they gently pulled Hermit's hood back over her head and stood to face Celeste. Nice try, little spark. You gave two of the greater arcana a run for their money. And for that, may your last moments be filled with pride. Chariot's first step towards Celeste shook the steel catwalk like thunder. They were more like a tank than a human in a suit of armor. And as Celeste backed away from the lumbering juggernaut, she felt the cold steel of the door against her back. She watched his chariot go closer and closer, her hands frantically searching the surface behind her. Finally, her hand felt the doorknob, and as she twisted, she threw her weight backward, slinking through the cracked door and slamming it behind her. Now don't hide now, little spark. With no effort, Chariot ripped the door off its hinges, revealing another door made of magenta light. What? said a frustrated Chariot as they opened the second door, only to find another magenta door. In fact, there were hundreds of doors that Celeste had created. It would buy her some much-needed time to run. Safe for the moment, the room Celeste found herself in was odd. There was a small booth with glass windows, a monitor with no power to it, and a sign, a sign that Celeste missed as she hopped the turnstile and rushed down two flights of stairs. At the bottom was nothing. What? She stood on a small raised stone platform with nothing in front of her. To her left and right was another tunnel, more narrow than the one above her. Celeste leaned over the edge and looked to her left and right. Nothing? Wait. In the distance, there was a yellow light that was coming closer. A whistle blared. An engine chugged. Brakes squeaked. And there it was. A train car sliding to a stop in front of her. Its doors parted open and a chime chimed. Do, 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 do. Welcoming her aboard. Boom. Boom. Celeste turned and saw that Chariot and Hermit were halfway down the stairs. There was only one way out. She hopped off the platform and into the empty train car. The doors closed behind her and the train took off. Celeste saw Chariot charge the train, rear back their fist, and slam it into the side. Boom. 
but nothing. She got away. Celeste watched with relief as her pursuers in the platform faded into the distance. Oh, exhausted, she fell hard into her seat. Finally, she could relax. <laughs> Thank goodness for this train. I thought I was done for if... She scanned the car and noticed something familiar. R-T-T. Oh no. The warning from the flipbook. She went down a stairway that led underground, and the letters R-T-T. She read a small sign above the door that read, The Rails Tumbleweed Trolley. And as the train began to pick up speed, Celeste knew that her bad day had only just begun. We see a train rolling through a tunnel within the mountains of Moon Crescent, heading toward the coast. Aboard the train, we see Celeste Silverna dozing away, moments before she was visited by Lumina Dawnspear. But while the events of last episode played out, we zoom out. From the train car, we rise to the darkness of the tunnel. From the tunnel, we fly further higher to the mountains and the various caves and keeps found within it, until we are so high that we are in the sky, looking down at this aquamarine mountain range. From there, we soar forward. At great speeds, we fly, following the tracks beneath us. As we look downward, we see how the tracks seem to float atop the Sea of Sorrow, Celeste's next destination. But we do not stop there. The wind against our face is cold as we fly, and the smell of salt water grows ever stronger. Below us is the archipelago of Moon Crescent, a series of islands made from the fragments of a fallen celestial body. In the days before Sarath's return, we would have seen hundreds of ferries carrying passengers through the waters. We would smell the street food of the water walk and hear the sounds of bards tuning their instruments preparing for a treacherous voyage at sea. As we continue our journey along the tracks, we fly over regions of dense forests, soar across lava flows, and wrap around mountains so large they reach higher than we can see, until we reach a small, ruined structure. It is a small building no larger than a cottage. Its once flat roof has long since caved in. Its once beautiful stained glass windows have been smashed by the vines of plants due to millennia of neglect. The entrance to the structure, an archway leading to some stairs and a large steel door, remains. As we look down from our position in the sky, we see that the shadow trolley's tracks end at this building, which is odd since they're not supposed to have a real beginning or end point. But as we lower ourselves to the ground, float through that archway, leading to some metal stairs. We approach that large steel door and see a sign reading, Out of Service, and we open it. As the door swings open, the lights flicker on. We move down yet another flight of stairs into a large room filled with broken ticket machines, monitors, a booth for an employee to sit in, and turnstiles leading to the next area. We hop the turnstile and head down, yet another flight of stairs, these made of thick stone, to a long platform. We can see large signs along the walls that read, Hollybrook Station. Although the ticketing room was in complete disarray, this platform is spotless, eerily clean, 
On the wall are strips of neon lighting, perfectly spaced out about three feet apart from one another. Anywho, we know that this is an out-of-service station, so we can't just stand on the platform and wait for a train to arrive. So let's use our power of flight to explore just where this train once connected, shall we? As we float down to the tracks, we see the tunnels continue on our left and right. Wait, if it's, if it's the end of the line, shouldn't there be a wall at this end? And every time the train would arrive here, it would, would simply go back. The train shouldn't keep going. Anyway, moving along, we begin to soar down the tunnel in the direction that the tracks we saw from the sky would be in. Now that was from the west. South shouldn't be taking us in this direction. Hold, please. As we continue on down the tunnel, the lights on the walls become more distant from one another. Ten feet apart, twenty feet apart, and as our speed increases, the bending of the light makes it hard to concentrate. And as we hurtle faster and further into the darkness, the lights feel like flickering eyes in this intense blackness. We increase our speed... We fly so fast now that the neon strips become a single beam. Behind us is darkness. In front of us is darkness. The air feels heavy. We see nothing but dimming lights along the tunnel walls, but we fly forward. It has to be over soon. We've... No, 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 no. Yeah, no. What is this place? I want it to stop! You feel a feeling of weightlessness. You have broken through, departed your material plane. Welcome to the nightmare space, traveler. When your eyes focus, you can make out a shape in the distance. A thin line extending upward is all you can see of it, really. So you fly towards it. The speed at which you fly is not of your choosing. Slower now. Take your time. Take it all in, traveler. You feel as if a veil of dark is placed over your eyes. You see nothing but the thin line in the distance. Yet your curiosity is piqued. Look out, traveler. Tell me what you see. As you look... You feel the eyes of thousands staring up at you, yet you see nothing. Those who watch you have never seen the likes of you before, and they are pleased with what they see. They see fragility, vulnerability, but as you move ever closer toward that thin line, its shape becomes clearer to you. It is a tower, shining like polished obsidian, the tower reflects what truly lies within the void. Gaze upon it, traveler. What do you see? I'll tell you. You see demons in the stone. Far too many for you to count. You are in their world now. But go on. Enter the tower. Your curiosity has taken you this far. Let us see what goes on within the Spire Obscura. While your hero, Celeste Silverno, was napping aboard our train. We enter the tower. It is eerily quiet. The only noise we can hear is a deep hum from beneath us. Something akin to a heartbeat, but off. 
All throughout our time in the Spire Obscura, you can feel this strange heartbeat resonating throughout your entire body. Well, we seem to be at the top. The only thing to do is head down the obsidian-like stairs before us. As we head down the stairs, we feel an immediate icy chill. The stone beneath our feet is so cold it feels more like ice. (laughs) The frost creeps up our legs as we move. You know that if we were to touch the walls, our fingers might stick. But at the end of the stairs, we enter a large chamber, and the fire on the opposite end of the room melts the cold from your bones. A sort of common room. There are twenty people milling about. They cannot see us, thankfully. Some are pacing, some box with shadows, some simply sit and stare off into space. It seems as if they're waiting for something. The heartbeat never stops. After some time, one of them breaks the silence. They are a dragon. They stand against the wall closest to the fire, arms folded, one leg crossed in front of the other, their large and beautiful wings folded neatly behind their back. Atop the dragon's head is a crown bearing two brilliant jewels. Their eyes are fixed to the floor as they speak. If Chariot and Hermit have still not yet returned, that means that they lost to a child. Two others responded, but spoke as one. It does not mean anything, Temperance. Are you scared that our adversary may present a threat to us? To you? The dragon did not respond. Their eyes remained on the floor. If two of the greater arcana cannot handle the child of light, how do you think you would fare alone? The dragon known as Temperance raised their eyes from the floor and said, But if two arcana cannot handle the child of light, what chance would the lovers have? But no, no, I should not speak ill of friends. No, I mustn't speak it. Surely the story of the lovers could not be ended in such an awful way, but would bring me so much pleasure to see. The lovers sharply rose and drew their weapons, but were halted at once by a strangely gentle voice. The voice of the one Arcana Dimday. My beloved Arcana, it would seem that Hermit and Chariot have allowed the Lightbringer to escape. We will not dwell on this defeat. Temperance, lovers, the three stood at attention. You are to be dispatched at once to destroy the child and her wand. You are to intercept her at the Sea of Sorrow. Do not fail me as the others have. Temperance and the lovers shared a look of concern before responding in unison. Yes, Lord Dimday. The Major Arcana know that to speak within the Spire Obscura presents a risk, but the looks they all shared amongst each other expressed the same feeling. Discomfort. Mistrust. Fear. Temperance and the lovers left the large chamber, and we follow behind the former as they head to their room to prepare. Once they arrive at their tiny bunk, they stretch their arms over their head, spread their wings wide, and flop onto their bed. Temperance buries their face in their pillow and lets out a large sigh. Like I said before, to speak within the spire obscura presents a risk. Dimday and his keepers hear and see all. The major arcana aren't even sure if their thoughts are safe, but it's all they have. Hermit and Chariot were defeated by... A child. (laughs) Ridiculous. And if that is to be believed, if Chariot and Hermit were truly defeated, why was he so calm? Why did he seem joyful? 
Perhaps the rumors are true. That Arcana Dimde is dead, and that foul chrysalis speaks to us in his voice, sending us to our graves. And now I am to face a child. What the hell are we even doing here anymore? <laughs> Dimde had once told us that she threatens our goals, but I no longer know what is true and what is not. And the others. Images flash in Temperance's mind. I see a train soaring over the sea. I fly alongside it at first, then I watch it disappear into the distance. To my left, the lovers are falling from the sky like autumn leaves. A small girl with rainbow eyes standing in an open train door, aiming a bow of light in my direction. She looks at me with pity on my hands. Blood. <sighs> I must have fallen asleep. We can see that Temperance is visibly shaken. It takes them some time to get to their feet and walk over to the door. Leaning on the wall alongside it is a beautiful golden great axe. Temperance reaches for their weapon and stares at their reflection in the axe's cheek. Relax. Calm yourself. It will feel your doubt. I can do this. I can. With trembling hands, they close the door behind them. They exit the Spire Obscura. Rendezvous with the lovers and board the train headed to fantasy. Hollybrook Station. Just one of the hundreds of stops on the Shadow Trolley's route as it cuts and darts across all of fantasy. But this station is a touch different from the rest. Based on looks, it's no different from any other station in the world. If you ever found a Rails Tumbleweed trolley station, you would see a staircase heading down into the ground. And if you'd follow that staircase down, it ends with a large steel door. Remember from a Celeste Silverna audio drama? Anyway, that door takes you to the ruins of the once lavish station. You'd enter a medium-sized room filled with broken monitors and machinery, a ticket booth, and a turnstile. Once you hop the turnstile, you would head down another large flight of stairs to the platform. And if you were foolish enough, you would wait for the trolley to arrive and board the train that would fling you off to God knows where based on this phase of the world's breath. But the Hollybrook station, well, it's always been a little different. This station has always had only one place that it travels to. The catch is, ever since the event at Newkirk, which you can refresh yourself with at episode 117, Lester and the Duke, the station has been closed, while the sign outside says, out of order. This, of course, has never stopped curious people who just can't help themselves from heading down, opening the steel door, jumping the turnstile, and heading for the platform, only to find a very long wait. That's right, the train never comes. Some say that folks have camped on that platform for weeks waiting for the famous train to nowhere, only to be left disappointed when they head quite literally nowhere. It just never arrives. But if you were to, say, have access to the power of demons, like the man known as Arcana Dimde, and his followers, the Major Arcana, episode 97 and 153, the Hollybrook Station is your gateway between fantasy and his domain a pocket dimension outside of the material plane called the Nightmare Space. Within it, Arcana Dimde, 
hearing the whispered instructions of his demon overlords, has crafted a massive tower within the dark abyss of the nightmare space. It would become the home of Dimday and his order-wielding followers, the Spire Obscura. At the top of the tower lived the Major Arcana, the loyal sword arm of Dimday. But beneath the tower, in a massive chamber, is where the great demon lord spends his days. After the legendary mage Conjure handed him his humiliating defeat, he now exists only to serve the will of demons that once gave him power. Every minute of the day, they whisper Arcana commands. Build us a home, Arcana Dimde. Keep it safe until they return. The chrysalis. The chrysalis. Life sucks for Arcana Dimde, and we love that. But as the ages passed, the greater Arcana stopped seeing Dimde. Although they would still receive simple messages from him in their sleep as commands and orders, but as time went on, they doubted the messages were even from him, or that he was even still alive. But despite this, none were foolish enough to enter the room beneath that tower in search of him. They could feel it. There was something in that chamber, and its haunting heartbeat endlessly echoing through the spire obscura ran chills up their spines. A heartbeat and a sickly green glow. The Tale of the Crimson Devil In the land where the water runs red, the great pines repel shadow, devil dwells. In that misty, eerie wetland, when the sun falls and the moons rise, the Crimson Devil begins its watch. Ancient and powerful, the Crimson Devil is said to be the true ruler of the Cran River region, the being who first flooded the bogs and built the first beacons. The great pine barrens of Cran River are the devil's domain, and any foolish enough to harm the inhabitants of the wood will face the devil's fury. In the dark of night, some say you can hear its proud roar echoing across the lowlands, but those who dwell within the pine barrens have nothing to fear from the crimson devil. Why, it is because of this devil that the waters flow strong and the trees grow proud. Some believe the Crimson Devil is the Pine Barrens of Cran River, an ancient primordial entity that became the very land we stand upon. The ruby-colored rivers and creeks are from the Devil's veins, the sandy yet fertile land its body, and the pine trees its bared fangs, showing them at the shadows that lie outside. But between you and me, I think that's what folks would prefer to believe. But we know the truth. The Crimson Devil is out there. It is the protector of this realm, and any who threaten the Pine Barrens will meet their end in the cold, pine-scented, cranberry-flavored air of night. I find these creatures irritating, yet fascinating. These devils of the Pine Barrens, these great birds, these worms... Whatever regions they touch become safe, become beacons of light. Ugh. Places where shadow cannot touch. Now, what if one were to remove 
these creatures from the equation. What then? What then could we accomplish? Deep in the vastness of space, we see the Void Equilibrium, a location that stands before a massive black hole, the door to the cosmic plane, where the great sister Ether once hailed from before she passed through the door and into the material plane, an act that created the universe that we know and love. Within the Void Equilibrium, we see Count Tendrilis addressing the newest druid that has come to seek the power of the Black Hole. Welcome, druid. I am the being that was once known as Count Tendrilis. You are here because you have sought the power of the Spider Druid, and this is the final step in your journey. Gaze upon the truth of what you seek. Do you understand it now? This power is all-consuming. To draw magic from the door is to tamper with a force that opposes the fabric of reality within our plane of existence. To attempt to wield such a power is folly. To wield both chaos and order is to wield a power both beautiful and terrible. Druid, you may believe yourself to be different that this power will not destroy you and potentially your world. You would be oh so wrong. With that said, it is ultimately your choice. Walk away, or reach out your hand and welcome Oblivion. The druid had not heard a word that the Count had said. From the moment they arrived at the Void Equilibrium, they had simply stared into the black hole in awe of its terrible beauty. This dragonborn was clad in light, black steel armor, decorated with deep crimson roses with bright green stems. In the blackness of space, their armor seemed to fade away, and the roses glowed in the light of the stars. The awe left the dragon's face, replaced by a smile. They spoke. It's so beautiful. I was right. Thank you. Thank you for having faith in me, Lord Dimday. They reached out their hand toward the black hole. A crystal fragment speeds toward them. The druid sheds many tears that rain down on the roses of their armor. They had been working toward this moment for oh so long. Count Tendrilis looks on solemnly for a moment before fading away. Hopefully next time they will be successful in their efforts. It is a relatively small orb that hovers before the druid. As the Count vanished, as did the Void Equilibrium, the draconic druid was now suspended in space, being almost examined by the crystalline gift. The tiny reflective orb circled the druid curiously, as if examining its new wielder, or host, depending on how you viewed this relationship. Hello, little friend. The crystal fragment circled the dragon slowly before resting in the palm of their hand. Their eyes grew large, their smile widened. I am the major arcana known as the Tower. You and I, oh, we'll do wonders, won't we? <laughs> yes, 
With this power, I will tear down the line between nightmare and reality. The spire obscura will rise. Terror and glorious ruin will blanket this world and every other. The glow of the door caught their eye. Oh, the beauty. The pride is overwhelming. To see the birthplace of them. To see beyond. Oh, Lord Dimte. If you could only see what I do now. Come, little friend. Let us return. So that we may veil the world in shadow. Ugh, I find these places to be utterly disgusting. Brother, why did you bring me all the way to a Pine Baron? Whatever do you mean, dear sister? I thought you liked walks in nature. Come on, take in the sights. Appreciate the crimson waters. We are taking great risk by being here, brother. You know what lurks within the pines. You know what it hunts. Oh no, dear sister. I forgot all about the Devils of the Pines. You remember? The ancient primordial spirits of light that protect these woods and hunt the shadow? Oh no. Do you think I would have brought you here if I hadn't already done something about it? This is where you've been? You went off and hunted a Devil of the Pines alone. We are the sun and the moon. We are stronger when we are united! <sighs> I apologize, brother. Next time, simply allow me to join you in the hunt. Oh, I'm sorry if I upset you, sister. It was not my intention. I know we are stronger together. And that is why I took care of the easy part by myself. For now, the real fun can begin. Upon its bones, you and I will build a grand and beautiful home. Oh, brother, I already have so many ideas. Come, let us veil this foul place in shadow. Okay, let's see. Fucking headphones. <sighs> Jeff, what are we playing? What kind of game do you want to run for this thing? I have very little experience besides listening to you and everybody else run one of these. So, really? Okay, so what do I need to play that? Because I'm going to have to learn it really well if I'm going to run it. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking about starting the adventure in 